to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. And the purpose of this podcast is to really show what authentic Alaskans' experiences are up here on the last frontier and really kind of showing what the lifestyle is up here on the last frontier. And to answer that question today, um, I'm very lucky to have a um, actually a past client of mine, Chad Riley. He runs the uh, Spinal Flow Yoga, uh, which is online yoga, works as a physical therapist, and his yoga focus specifically on strengthening your spine and neck. And he moved up to Alaska, I think it was actually about a, about a year at this point, and uh, really took the plunge and you know, did what a lot of people talk about doing. He actually went and did and moved up here to Alaska. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Mr. Chad Riley. <laughs> How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go and just jump right into this then. Um, so just for the audience, where did you come or where did you live in before moving up here to Alaska? Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, outstanding. And what part of Alaska do you live in now? Wasilla. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit between Wasilla and Big Lake. So I'm on the uh, east side of Wasilla. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, right. definitely some, some big differences in the climates over there. <laughs> Do you get that quite uh, a bit? Yeah. It's as big a change as you can get. <laughs> so yeah, well, obviously with, uh, with Arizona, being what it is, uh, what got you thinking about moving to Alaska? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, I got to reading about COVID-19 and read this book called, uh, by William McNeil called Plagues and Peoples. And, and this might be more information than anyone wants to know, but I'll <laughs> it or bring it on, bring it on. But in Plagues and Peoples, um, the idea was how plagues would uh, shape societies as much as wars were, would. And that was one of the ways that which nature would, if a place got overpopulated, there might be a war to get the population down. There might be famine to get the population down. There may be a plague to get the population down. And I was like, huh. And then I was wondering, so this is a population thing. And I made a post on Facebook about... COVID-19 was like getting the population down or something like that. And that's like good for the earth ecologically. And some guy said, no, no, it's not near enough. And so it got me wondering, well, what is enough? And so I researched ecologic footprint and all that. And basically the entire world is underwater. Every, the country is underwater. Arizona is more underwater than any state in the nation as far as population over what's called carrying capacity or bio capacity. Didn't know I was in the worst place possible. And Alaska is the best place possible. In fact, uh, Alaska is one of the few that is not underwater. Many resources, few people. Huh, that's, that's interesting. I'd, uh, I have not heard that motivation or before. Now, as far as I know, I'm the first <laughs> person. I've not met another person that thinks like that. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. How did this not come up in our initial consultation? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I have to tell it every, well, because I, I don't have to tell you, you already live here. So I tell <laughs> them, right? I'm like, save yourselves, you know, but uh, 
you're already good. Oh, that's awesome. So that, that kind of got the, uh, got the wheels moving then and uh, got you thinking about it. Um, was there any one thing that like really kind of compelled you to go from kind of thinking about it to, you know, let's, let's do it. Boy, this all, it took me, I read, I read book after book after book to include uh, this guy, Mathis Bockernagel. He's the guy that came up with the, with the, no, he's the, he's the grad student of the guy that coined the term ecologic footprint. And, uh, but his book came out and his re, second edition book came out in 2019. And it was his data that looked at state by state and country by country. I'd always wanted to live in Colorado. And I learned that Colorado is already underwater. Colorado, Arizona has a biocapacity to support a population of about 445,000 people. Yet the population is 7 million. Colorado is much better. It can support 2.5 million people. Off the top of my head, I may be off by a little bit, but yet it has 6 million people. So it's underwater. And Alaska can support 19 million people because it's huge with a population of only 700,000. And so I've always wanted to, you know, hunt and things like that also. So I'm one of the few gun people, especially that believes in the climate change thing. That's an especially rare thing. But it really got me thinking of, you know, where is climate change making things worse? And where is climate change making things better? And Alaska, it's seasons are getting longer the temperatures are getting less cold um seems like the place to be and i always like colorado so i thought maybe alaska is kind of the same but just bigger but i thought it was like too cold but i came up and visited in september of last year and i was like i can do it i think i can do it and then uh it was soon after that i think i contacted you right well i remember that uh yeah i remember (laughs) i remember last year um, we actually didn't have snow till like almost like Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And um, as of the time of this recording, like um, October 16th, I mean, we've already got snow on the ground. So you kind of got conned a little bit that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not bad. I like it. <laughs> oh, so but- I mean, we'll see what I think in a few months. But uh, in Arizona, you stay inside all summer long and live in the air conditioning. So up here, I figure you stay inside all winter long and, you know, live in the heat. And uh, so it's much the same. Gotcha. And that's, that really is kind of a different way just to, just to look at it. Cause I know a lot of people really zero in on, you know, what you can do during the winter time in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, you're going to be inside a little bit more than you normally would, but you know, also you're going to get that in kind of warmer climates also. So there's, there's always a trade-off. Right. And I'm excited to snowboard and, uh, um, I've gone fishing, I've gone hunting. Um, it's beautiful. I drive into uh, like Palmer and was still in to see the mountains and stuff. It's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, let me ask you about that then. So what is it that really kind of drew you to kind of the Matsu Valley and specifically kind of the big lake and, um, the Wasilla area? Uh, it was near, Anchorage. So I looked into that. I looked into like the weather and different places in Alaska. And if I went in like Juneau, it was going to rain all the time and I would be stuck on an island. Fairbanks, I think that's like miserable cold near as I can tell. I mean, I don't know because I haven't been there yet, but 
but uh, the Anchorage area seemed um, fairly mild because the weather's really milded up by the ocean. Plus, you're on the ocean, and I guess in Anchorage, you're very centralized. You can go to a lot of different places from there and then come back. And uh, Wasilla is just north of Anchorage, and uh, real estate prices were less. And I was able to get a fairly large chunk of property in the Big Lake area, and so my house is like right next to it or close enough to it. Yep, hundred and uh, hundred and fifty-six acres. Still remember, still remember that number. <laughs> oh, very nice. So, kind of talking a little bit about the real estate then, um, and we'll we'll just ask one or two questions on this. Um, sure. But we did go. You did end up going with a new construction home, and I know that's that's something that a lot of people kind of contemplate as they're looking at moving up here. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of explain kind of the the process that you experienced along the way. I mean, you know, keep in mind that wasn't, you know, custom built. Uh-huh. Um, this was a, this was a home that uh, was kind of a model this builder made, and it was probably about 90% complete by the time we got to it. Um, so not quite complete, but pretty close to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of talk a little bit about your experience and, you know, any insights you would give to people who were thinking about going that route? You know, I got to pick my colors, my paint on the inside and outside. I like, I made good choices, I think. I'm very happy with the way it turned out. It took a little while to figure out, okay, it's being built. So I'm, you know, I think I'd customize everything, but I couldn't customize everything. Some things were already bought ahead of time. And um, there's scarcity right now with, uh, with the economy. So some things just have to be the way they are. And you don't have all the choices you want. But I like the, uh, I like that it's, new and what I could pick out. I love the way my floors turned out and my indoor paint. Yeah, because they were um, trying to do this, but this is what came available. Right, right. Because I remember there was a, there was another property beforehand. And um, I think we were like this close to getting it. But Correct. a multiple offer situation, but something happened. But I mean, honestly, looking at the two properties now, the other one was like literally right on the main road. So Honestly, I, I think you might have uh, might have done better with the second one. But yeah, I, I, I drive by that one every day because it's on my <laughs> and I'm like, and I was always like, oh, it had a huge, huge garage, you know. It just looked freaking awesome. But I painted mine a really cool color, and they just painted theirs, and it's kind of ugly. So I used to drive by and be like, ah, oh, the one that got away. But now I drive by it, and I'm like, eh, I don't like it anymore. So. <laughs> They painted it as gray and white and I painted mine black and white and I just like mine better. Yeah. Well, sounds like it worked out. <laughs> right. And then I made really good friends with my neighbors. So um, I'm happy where I am. Yeah. So were they, um, you've got your goats up here now, right? That's the only thing I don't have yet. Okay. I'm still, I, I want them, but I'm, it's very expensive to get them up here. I might just get new goats. <laughs> um, I'm, I want my goats. We'll see. But um, if I bring them up right now, it will supposedly just shock them with the cold. But if I bring them up in the springtime, then they have, uh, then they acclimate. So I'm told. And they're, they grow their winter coat versus now they have an Arizona coat. And mm. what to do. So I'm told. That's what my sister says. Gotcha. So unless you want like goats inside your house all the time. <laughs> right. They are definitely not housebroken. I don't. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. So actually, that's a, that's a pretty good segue then. So talking about 
uh, talking about getting up here. So you actually took the Alcan to get here right. um, in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of winter. So, <laughs> right. and it was, uh, I, I was pretty impressed with just how quickly you, you knocked that route out. So let's, uh, let's talk about your experience driving through Canada during the pandemic. I had to get a COVID test within uh, within 72 hours of going through. And it was debatable whether, like they were supposedly let residents drive through at the time, but they weren't letting non-residents. It was only if you were essential travel. And if you were returning to Alaska because you lived there, that was considered essential. But I didn't quite live here but I did own property here. So it was kind of like, uh, and I really had to get up here, you know, cause I had to see the house. I didn't want to make a trip and have to figure out how to get my Jeep up there. It was just going to be like, I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to drive. I'm going to go for it. I packed into my Jeep 5,000 rounds of shotgun shells. Cause that's what I thought the limit was 50,000 rifle primers. Cause that's what the limit was and eight pounds of gunpowder. Cause that's what the limit was according to the website, you know, and I called <laughs> the border and um, they said, yeah, yeah, that's all right. You know? And so I got there, you know, I showed them my thing and showed them my test and they're all that. You have any guns in there? You can't bring any gun. Well, I guess you can bring some guns, but I couldn't bring many of my guns. So I shipped my guns all separate, Smart. but I didn't have some ammo and I wanted to bring as much food as I could. So, cause I, I couldn't ship the ammo with the household goods with the guns it was that was a huge thing to had to figure out so i had guns to get up that couldn't be with me i had ammo that couldn't be with me or the guns and i had some ammo and some reloading supplies that could be with me so that was the logistics to try to figure out but um i had my jeep pretty weighed down with shotgun shells. So I thought that's the most, in, like you can't bring hollow point through at all. Really? Shell, okay. yeah. yeah, so if you have hollow points, they're just illegal in Canada, no go. Okay, so I had to ship those around. But uh, shotgun shells I could bring through, I could bring through gunpowder primers within certain amount of quantities. And they, they checked me out like crazy at the border. They, you know, went through the whole Jeep and then they're running my record and stuff. And I'm like, Oh man, they're not going to let me through, but then they did. And so, but I was for an hour and a half, I was at the border and, and they're like, you cannot stop anywhere. You can get gas, but you cannot stop in any places, you know? And you had, and I had, I think, uh, you know, three or five days they had to be in and out of the country. They I had to be tested before I went in. Then they tested me immediately after getting in. You get tested after getting in. Right. So at the border, they tested me. Wow. So I gave them a test. They tested me at the border. Then I drove through. They let me stay at a hotel. You know, I think I spent two or three nights there. Drove, drove, drove. The, the highway wasn't that bad. It got a little bit um, bumpy at times, which was bottoming out my Jeep. It's not meant to carry weight. Yeah. So I bottomed out my fenders a few times, but uh, otherwise it wasn't very snowy or anything too much. And it could have been way worse, but it wasn't bad. I think this was uh, January, February, March. Was, I think it was March, March or April. I was coming up April. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of the time that you came up, I mean, it was kind of a long winter. So yeah, you definitely, uh, 
definitely caught a lot of the winter in there. <laughs> and that's, uh, and that's really good to know just with, um, conditions of the road that it's, it's not awful even during the yeah. winter time. Yeah. Um, did you have studs on your tires or I didn't, I did. Okay. Def, if it was snowy, I probably would have wanted studs or something. I know when I was driving my Jeep in Colorado, I was in Colorado for uh, a month or so doing COVID tests on other people for the snowboarding competition. The, the Jeep with my mud terrain tires didn't like the snow very much at all. Even though I had four wheel drive, that thing was sliding around like crazy. It's just so light. So I was a little bit worried about the trip going through Canada. I wasn't sure it was going to happen, but uh, fortunately there was only a little bit of snow when I first got in there and otherwise not too bad. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good then. So for people who are, who are looking at making the move and for a lot of folks like Alcan is just, is just kind of the option by default, just cause going by ferry, it's going to be more expensive. And if you're flying, then essentially you have to consolidate it down to two checked bags and a carry on. So a lot of people kind of by default end up going on the Alcan. Um, do you have any uh, tips or advice you'd offer to people looking at going that route? Yeah, the extra, I think it was you that told me to put uh, an extra five gallons of gas, have a, have a semester gas with you. And yeah, that was a good idea. I didn't need it, but there were times I thought I was going to need it. I, I got down to pretty close to E. So the doing that highway, the uh, gas stations are just very spread out. You may you may have think you have a gas station that you can go to because it's showing on your GPS and you go there and it's closed. And there might be other ones. Unfortunately, there were other ones that weren't on the GPS. So um, gas up when you can. Make sure you've got a half tank always. That should get you through. But I was I was very cautious at first, and I was like, no big deal, no big deal. But towards the end, it, it got uh, it got a little dicey. But luckily, I had the extra gas. I didn't need it, but. Yeah, it's like you don't need it until you need it. And that that point, like you're um you really need it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another thing to keep in mind too, this at least was uh was my experience. One of the times I drove the Alcan, there was a gas station there. I can't remember which one it was, but essentially they were mixing water in with their gas to to make it last a little bit longer. And and yeah, obviously your your car's not designed to run on water, so um, that, uh, that didn't work so well and our efficiency wasn't as good. So yeah, yeah bring yeah. extra gas. You just don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. If I were to do it again, I'd, I'd have 10 gallons with me. I suppose just in case, in case I missed one of those, you know, blew by one of the stations. And sometimes the stations are like, I think they're like seasonal. So they're open in the summer, but they aren't <laughs> open in the winter, you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm sure they'll be open again once uh, Canada becomes friendly for tourism again, but I think we're still a long ways away from that being the case. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I didn't get to stop off and see anything. They said, do not stop off. They were going to find me big time if they caught me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was actually talking with um, <clears throat> with AJ. He's, a, he's another gentleman who moved up here. And yeah, it was, it was kind of intense just because, I mean, you're driving a big U-Haul truck. So, I mean, people will see you. And he said, yeah, if you got off the road, went somewhere you weren't supposed to, like, they would definitely rat you out, like zero problem whatsoever. Right, right, <laughs> right. So yeah, they took that pretty serious. Yeah. All right. So up here in the new house, and um, you've kind of had your had your time to kind of get oriented and settle into in the life up here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, is it kind of what you expected, what it would be like actually living up here? Obviously you visited before, so, you know, you knew what it was, what it was like, but living up here, is it about what you expected? I guess so. Kind of. I mean, <laughs> I haven't got like at some point I want, I've gone hiking. It's beautiful. So yeah, the hikes up in the mountains, it's, it's like Colorado, but just bigger, you know? So it's, it's beautiful up here. So the hiking is amazing. Thrift shopping has become a thing. So I'm glad I didn't buy a bunch of stuff before I got here. Alaska thrift shops are pretty neat. People give away things that are pretty neat. And there are six thrift shops between my house and the post office. So I was not aware of that. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's like a thing. So um, yeah, I'll stop off and uh, catch some major deals on my, on my way there and on my way back. And uh um, so that's something I do, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, what, what kind of deals, what kind of stuff are you getting at, th- at the thrift shops? Let's see. Jackets that are very Arctic boots that are very Arctic. Um, and then just regular stuff. So since I'm up here, I'm not eating out very much. I'm cooking from home. So I'm kind of into that, I guess. I'm into, so I teach my yoga off of my website and I have to do instructional videos. And if I don't look good doing them, nobody's going to do my yoga. So I have to be very fit. And that's, that means I cannot eat McDonald's. So (laughs) I'm into my intermittent fasting. And so I want to have my meals be good. I want them to taste good. And I want them to fill me up for a long time. So I do a lot of cooking. And so I guess I, I buy that stuff, cooking gear. Got a KitchenAid mixer, one of those stand things at thrift shop. I was like, wow, oh, that's that's neat. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that uh I guess I hadn't really thought of before, I guess th- thrift shop scene is gonna be pretty good up here, but I mean I think part of it is probably just because it's just so transitory up here. And I'm sure you've seen that already, just the military and oil field and it's just a very transitory population. So constantly people are selling stuff. Right. I think that's, I think that's maybe part of it. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's good to highlight then. Um, so you've been up here for, you know, kind of the, the full year at this point then. Um, what, is there some kind of um, Alaska-esque activity you've kind of really enjoyed doing? Because I mean, I know you're, you're pretty busy with, um, you know, with hiking, yoga, um, marksmanship. We haven't really even talked about that yet. Obviously, assuming if you've got so much ammo, you're getting over the border, but. <laughs> right, right, right. I was, a, I was a competitive shooter. I was a competitive pistol shooter for a lot of years. I kind of retired from that. But when I was up here looking around, some, you know, I'm, I'm known in the sport. I was, I was 12th in the nation. I was pretty good. But my best friend that I trained with, he was the best in the nation. He's based arguably the best shooter in the world of all time. And I was a physical therapist. And so hanging out with him, I, I learned a lot and people knew me for being his physical therapist and whatnot. And so when I was up here looking around in September, people messaged friends that knew I was up here. And so I made friends with some other shooters up here. So I got up here and I shot one match. I'm not as good as I used to be. I'm definitely worse, but I'll, I'll try to shoot the, like the state matches next year. I don't, I just don't love it like I used to, but I'm more interested in maybe getting into the hunting now that I'm here. I still like the guns. 
Yeah, I mean, I imagine that would be like an awesome application of that skill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of assuming some of the skills kind of transfer over from like handgun to like rifle, right? Like, correct. It, the they, okay. handgun is the hardest of them all. So there's a lot of rifle shooters that can't shoot handgun very well. And there's a lot of shotgun shooters that can't shoot handgun very well, but handgunners can go to the other stuff actually pretty well. If you're a good handgunner, the trigger control you need makes rifle shooting easy. Shotgun's different, but probably not as not as hard as, as the handgun is. And then there's a thing called three-gun competition where you shoot three-gun or multi-gun, where you shoot all three. And I did that for a while also. So so that I, I so and all of us handgunners, like our group, my buddy the greatest ever of all time, Rob Lethem. We would shoot shotguns for fun. So he says, handguns is like a job to us. Shotguns, we don't take that seriously. Shotguns, we just do that for fun. But we still take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that translates to all kinds of hunting. You know, I just don't know really, you know, like hunting skills and what where to go as, as well. But my marksmanship is good. Yeah, usually the, the local hunters around here keep their uh, their hunting spots pretty close to their chest so it can uh it's really a matter of uh cozying up to somebody and uh that's uh that's really what the hunting scene looks like up here and i think i've done that somewhat already because i have a large chunk of land with animals on it so people like that because i'm a good shot i can you know bro trade with the hunters so there's mutual respect going back and forth i'm not i'm not a total noob <laughs> That's perfect. You're uh, you're going to be set up pretty well then. All right. So from your perspective, what are some of the pros and cons you've noticed uh, about Alaska just from the time that you've spent up here? And, you know, obviously no place is going to be perfect. So, you know, what are kind of the good things and the bad things you've noticed so far? Property tax is a little worse. Sales tax is better. They say food's really expensive, but I haven't noticed it's really that expensive. I think food prices are going up everywhere. Maybe it's a little worse here, but anything I buy at Walmart or Costco costs about the same as it does down in Phoenix. Gas prices seem comparable. If, if I'm out of town, like when I was coming through and I stopped in some of the smaller towns, then yeah, like a box of cereal is $10, okay? That's, that's where people might think, things are insanely expensive. And in those towns, probably it is. But um, in Wasilla or in Anchorage, it doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think unfortunately too, um, Alaskans are kind of the worst enemies as far as the, the cost of living of stuff because a lot of people love just focusing on, you know, a cost of food on Kodiak Island because it's, it's so expensive because it's an island. And I mean, it's great clickbait. People are going to watch it. But, you know, also it's not the reality for the majority of the people up here either. Walmart prices, there's, I can tell they're the same as Walmart prices anywhere. And I was at Walmart today. So there's Walmart in Wasilla. There's a Home Depot in Wasilla. Like you think you're maybe going to move out to the middle of nowhere. You know, but I'm in a regular town that's got, you know, all the major stores. So I'm not missing for anything like that. I do miss my friends. You know, my friends are all still down in Phoenix. Uh, I'm big into the electronic music scene. So and I'm big into my raves and music festivals and near as I can tell that's non-existent <laughs> pretty much not no right. and I mean yeah I mean I know folks can't see it 
just because this is a it's a podcast but yeah i mean you've got your full soundboard all set up there in the background so yeah, totally <laughs> but that's but i'm like okay it's okay and then you know I'll, I'll be the dj here but it kind of reminds me of uh movie footloose a little bit <laughs> that's that's a good way of looking at it yeah. and actually the uh mayor of anchorage well ex-mayor of anchorage last year actually like banned dancing in the town so yeah really really okay it really is like footloose yeah it really is like footloose <laughs> literally like unbelievable unbelievable oh alaska politics but yeah so and then the other thing is i've i've been to burning man twice loved it and so my property is half the size of burning man so i can have i can have big festivals at some point <laughs> perfect I'm all about that oh that's awesome Arctic man, we'll call it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can say as far as your friends in the lower 48 go, it is just a matter of time till they're uh till they're coming up here for the summer. So uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. All right. Well, do you have any final words or or any other topic that uh, you'd like to talk about that we haven't really broached yet? I think I think that's it. Um Seems like there's jobs up here. It seems like um, a lot of places you're going to, like they're trying to get workers, like same as in the lower 48 too. So people are worried about employment or something that seems like that's good. I work from my website, so that doesn't really affect me either way. I can do that wherever. Internet connection seems fine. I was wondering about that, but I have high-speed internet. It's not as high as the gigablast I had in Phoenix, but I guess I could have paid more for more, but it's okay. My phone works fine i'm using verizon same as i was in arizona i haven't bothered to switch it over yeah that's about it if you have any questions let me know all right outstanding well uh chad i really do appreciate your time then sir and um this has been uh chad riley talking about his um, experience with moving up here to alaska and just talking through that a little bit um, if you'd like to get a hold of him certainly do feel free to reach out to him on spinalflowyoga.com and that'd be a great place to do it. And if you have any questions for me, certainly do reach out to me on uh, my Facebook page, Instagram, uh, whatever's going to be more convenient and be happy to answer any questions that I can for you. But other than that, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.